HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. HRN is offering complimentary business memberships to 50 Black, Indigenous, people of color-owned food businesses this summer. The deadline to apply is July 31st. Each business membership, a $500 value, is an advertising opportunity that will allow businesses disproportionately impacted by COVID-19 to connect with HRN's listening community and promote their work. To apply and review the terms and conditions, go to heritageradionetwork.org B-I-Z. This is What Doesn't Kill You, Food Industry Insights. I'm your host, Katie Kiefer, and today, for once, we're not going to talk about coronavirus. Can you dig it, man? I mean, how long has it been since you talked about something besides coronavirus? I don't know about you, but it's pretty much the topic that consumes me day and night. So instead, we're going to talk about something very positive and kind of exciting, and I want to give a big shout out to my friend Eric Hoffner at Manga Bay Times a great publication, uh, because he is the one who was responsible for uh, steering me towards my guest today, whose name is Ethan Steinberg. And Ethan is uh, a startup growth expert turned soil health geek who is focused on turning ideas into reality. He has helped scale ventures domestically and internationally in industries such as the sharing economy, consumer packaged goods, and B Corp businesses. Ethan holds a BA in social justice and sustainability from Miami University and is a board member at the Association for Temperate Agroforestry. He also manages Propagate.org, a curated news hub on the regenerative economy. And having been born on Earth Day, he has been passionate about the environment for his entire life and enjoys living at the intersection of regeneration and technology. That is just so cheerful. I love you, Ethan. So um, we're going to talk a little bit. First of all, you're going to tell us what Propagate Ventures is and how it dovetails into agroforestry and maybe just give people who maybe are not so familiar with the concept of agroforestry a quick thumbprint of what that is. You got it. Katie, thank you so much for having me on the show today. It's it's really a pleasure to get to have this conversation with you and uh, for being so cheerful. Thank you for that introduction. Uh, and certainly a little bit more fun than maybe uh, what we see daily in the news. Yeah, 
No, that's my aim. I try to uplift my audience as much as I can, even though that hasn't really been so easy lately. But anyway. <laughs> well, I love it. But this is such a this is such a great concept. Um, it's basically so Propagate Ventures is basically a a computer software platform that allows uh, farmers to sort of map their land and figure out how best to grow trees and shrub crops in between regular row crops. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's absolutely right. I mean, let me take a minute to, to walk you through what Propagate Ventures does. Yeah. I'm the CEO and one of the co-founders over at Propagate in, in my day job outside of my cheerful bio. <laughs> um, <laughs> and you know, I'd be happy to dig into the nuances and details around agroforestry uh, and why trees are such an exciting uh, and profitable opportunity in agriculture. Okay, great. Cool. Go for it. Yeah, you know, when we when we started the company, we sort of had this this joke inside of uh, around um, thinking back to our childhood and recognizing our parents always telling us that money doesn't grow on trees. And the three <laughs> founders of Propagate, myself, Jeremy Kaufman, and Harry Green, you know, we, we we sat back and we're like, that's totally wrong. Money does grow on trees. And, and, and we know how to do that. Um, that's, that's sort of our, our, our internal joke um, that we enjoy sharing with the world. Uh, you know, and so a big part around agroforestry has to do with agriculture being a focal point of climate change, particularly in the last five years. I, I know you've touched on this in the show in the past. Uh, and sure, effectively definitely. around agroforestry, it's basically recognizing that Nature provides solutions, and now we need to build the market. Um, so agroforestry, what that is specifically, it's the integration of fruit, nut, and timber trees with agriculture in row with an existing operation. Now we've got, we've got tons of pictures that I most wish we could share. Um, although effectively what you have is rows of trees, and in between those rows of trees, you have a crop like wheat or corn, or you have livestock like cattle. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that we're so focused on agroforestry is the research has started to show that this is a practice that can increase profitability for farmers by about 40%, which is a really significant number. Sure. And now there's naturally all of the components around um, ecosystem services that are really, really good icing on the cake, if you will. So effective, like essentially inc incorporating agroforestry on a fraction of U.S. agricultural land. Now think like east of the Mississippi, um, basically have parts of the Midwest there, the Northeast, the Mid-Atlantic, and parts of the Southeast. We could start to think about actually, uh, actually removing at least 10% of our carbon emissions every year as a, as a, as a country. Again, significant numbers here. Huh. Trees provide a lot of value. I mean, oftentimes, I know you and I spoke about this briefly, it's like, generally folks have a really good understanding of trees. They're, they're really valuable. They're stunning. They're beautiful. They're, they're kind of found in all of the places that inspire us as, as a society. Um, the pages of our books, through the walls in our homes. I mean, you could imagine how valuable trees have been throughout the history of humanity. And so, so here we sure. are at this sort of juncture of 
of a time where farmers are earning lower returns and are starting to ask about alternatives, things like apples or chestnuts, timber. Uh, and so when we think about agroforestry, farmers typically struggle to get funding for these types of opportunities. And that's generally because mm -hmm. there's some form of operational business and financial challenge. So Propagate Ventures, here we are back to what, what does Propagate do and how do we do it? What we're yeah. doing is trying to pave the way for investors to unlock these markets by removing some of these operational business and financial challenges that farmers face. Now there's some other companies I'm happy to talk about that have done this in the startup game. AngelList is one of them. Wonder Capital is a group that's done it in the solar industry. Really innovative thinkers that have made uh, the accessibility of interesting investment opportunities more viable and accessible to investors while, while getting rid of some of those operational risks on the ground level. So back to agroforestry, not really talking about funding forestry R&D, what we are talking about is owning trees as assets alongside commercial farmland. So really thinking back to what I was pointing out about the integration of fruit, nut, and timber trees. Mm -hmm. So you know, I'm happy to walk you through the, the components of how it is we do all that and why technology serves as a really effective tool to help drive this forward. Um, but I'm sure that there may be some questions. I, I have some questions. So you sent me a few case studies to look at. And one of the ways in which you um, sort of initiate your program is by mapping farmland or mapping a piece of property uh, with a particular um, technological feature called keyline geometry. And this is how uh, potential buyers, whether the whether they be farmers or investors, and we're going to talk about the different that in a few minutes, um, can see how the land would be divided up and how it would best work. So I, I want you to talk a little bit about how that feature works. And does it necessarily follow um, the way a farmer already has his farm set up? I mean, I was curious, like if a farmer has, you know, 500 acres of wheat, and suddenly your tool says, actually, this isn't the best place for wheat. You should be growing something. <laughs> like, is that something that would happen um, by using your technology? Would they be better able to utilize the land they have um, in addition to learning where they could plant trees and shrubs successfully? Yeah, you know, I think at a high level, you've hit the nail on the head. And what we're really trying to get across the line here is where, is, where do trees become the most effective economic tool for mm -hmm. a farm? Um, the way it starts with us is sort of de-risking projects. So we've made it more easy to access project development tools and economic insights so that farmers can more confidently manage an agroforestry-based farm. And, and a lot of this right. has to do with costs, revenues, yield projections, labor assumptions, and that's really where the core of our analysis sits. Now to your point about Keyline, Keyline is all about water management. So there's, some, there's something ah. known as the Keyline scale of permanence. And this looks at a, land, a landscape in terms of what is most permanent, all the way down to what's easiest to change. There's a couple different components uh -huh. of here, things like climate, the weather, 
Also an interesting one here, the climate of the mind, how people think. That's certainly a factor. Uh, other, other components, the slope of the land, uh, water, how does that flow across the land? Uh, access to labor, how do trees fit into the la landscape? I mean, really what we're trying to get at here is when you're planning out an agroforestry system in particular, it's really important to have an understanding of what the most permanent features are. So like, let me give you a really quick example. It's much more difficult to move water across a landscape than it is, for example, to move a fence. Sure, of course, right? And, right. and so what we're trying to bring to the table here is using Keyline as a tool within some of the analysis we do to highlight these economic components. There, there is a, um, a cost and a return associated with how we plan out our farms and what goes on there, particularly around what happens when we have more integrated systems, particularly with tree crops. So we're going to throw to a quick commercial break here, or I should say sponsor drop, and we'll be right back with Ethan Steinberg from uh, Propagate Ventures, uh, a very interesting uh, platform for mapping and um, identifying uh, financial opportunities for agroforestry. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. I'm Ethan Frisch, co-host of Why Food and co-founder of Burlap and Barrel, a public benefit corporation working directly with smallholder spice farmers around the world to source unique, beautiful spices for professional chefs and home cooks. We set our partner farmers up to export their own crops for the first time, and they get access to a whole new market here in the U.S., and we get access to spices that other companies can't source. We're honored to work with restaurants including 11 Madison Park, Blue Hill, and Chez Panisse, as well as thousands of home cooks across the country. Visit us at burlapandbarrel.com. And we're back. <laughs> so funny. Um, yes, after a sponsor drop, we're going to pick up again and talk some more with uh, with Ethan Steinberg about Propagate Ventures. And, um, you know, you had you had also on the, the case studies that you sent me, you had some interesting um, projections for upfront costs and then gross and net revenue. And I, I wondered how you arrived at the figures that you are able to show in those case studies. Sure, sure, it's a great question. As Katie, as fun as that would be to just say, they magically appeared. There's a little <laughs> bit more that goes on in the background to, to make that all possible. Sure. Um, let me walk you through it. Uh, effectively, what we have going on is what we're looking at is profit and loss statements. And we've got a model that sits in the background that looks at the, the costs and revenues associated for a farm. So these are things like the cost of buying uh, genetic stock, seeds, as well as the when, when it, what are the times of year when a farm needs um, labor there, whether why are we talking folks to be on farm for planting or harvest, there's mm -hmm. some of these different components that get put together that basically sh help a farmer understand what their cash flow looks like. Right. Um, and that includes all sorts of different things. There are also things like, like inputs. Now, when we're talking about integrating trees, this is not always the, the norm. And 
because we have these more diversified, more integrated systems, there's a little bit more understanding and knowledge that needs to be brought together to make it more transparency what that cash flow looks like. Okay. And so there are I mean, some of the key things here, uh, labor efficiency, inputs, the trees themselves, fertilizers, mulch. Um, there's also a market development side of this. So there are buyers that purchase goods from farms. Yeah. And, and, and we also look at things, uh, we run uh, sensitivity analysis on things like capital expenditures. There's uh, operating loans for agriculture that help us kind of think towards net income. All these components get pieced together. They live in a beautiful database uh, on, on our side. And we, we, we work with our farm partners. We, we understand some of that information from them so that we can plug those numbers into our model and help get them the insights that they really need so that there's a clear understanding about the economic value of agroforestry. Right. And, and that's precisely where technology becomes a really effective tool. You know, I, I think I'd be, it'd be short of me to say technology is the answer for agriculture because it's not. It's, it's, it's a, just a very effective way to help drive things forward so that we can be, increase profitability on farm. We can work towards increasing carbon sequestration and water retention and mitigating nutri nutrient runoff. There's a lot of components that come together uh, that we're really thinking about on our side as a team and, and driving forward with the product and you know, we built a company around that. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you this, you know, you, these projects, you're talking about very long-term projects in terms of certainly for timber, right? Sure. I mean, that's got to be a 15 or 20 year investment. And so when you talk about that to a farmer and given that the um, average age of the farmer right now is about 55 years old, you know, it's kind of, it's a long time for them to wait uh, to see that added uh, profit coming in. And so, first of all, how do they pay for that? Is that something, that's where the investor comes in, right? We're going to talk about that in a second. because Exactly. Where, that kind of troubles me, the investor part of it. But, okay. <laughs> um, but um, but also, like, just the whole, the I mean, even for fruits and berries, like if you were to, to do uh, fruit trees or berry trees, fruit trees, I think, take seven years and berries are at least mm -hmm. two to three yep. before you start getting an adequate harvest. Like, so how, how do you sell a farmer on the idea of waiting that long after coming up with the upfront costs, which you may or may not get an operating loan or some other form of financial assistance? Sure. Um, you know, how, how are you going to sell him on that idea that he should not only invest in the extra labor and tend these products for the, you know, anywhere from three to 25 years that they require, um, but then also to, you know, have it go on past his tenancy on the farm even possibly, right? I mean, as I say, these are very long-term uh, investments. So how, how, do, how does that work with a farmer? How do you get a farmer to say, yeah, man, I <laughs> I want to add this to my workload and hire sure. this many more people. I mean, that's tough. So yeah, how, do you, you, how do you make that sale? No, it's a great question. The, there are there's so many components to it um, and just out of deep respect for the communities in this country that are farming. I mean, man, the knowledge base 
they, they know what they're doing, right? And I, yeah. And it's, it's actually really exciting. And I'm, I'm blessed that I have a job that I can go learn from uh, the folks that day in and day out are stewarding the land. Uh, now, and to your question about like how do we think about the long-term component of this, and that's totally correct. Trees are fairly permanent fixtures in a landscape and for a long time. Yeah. We, we model out about 20 years. It's generally the, the time frame we're looking at. Uh-huh. And as, exactly as you pointed out, there's a continuum here of shrub fruits, tree fruits, tree nuts, and timber. Shrub fruits being the shortest in terms of time to, to a break-even point, and then timber being the longest. They also have a lot different complexity in terms of uh, their management. You know, from a horticulture perspective, what's really needed day to day to manage these crops so they're 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 producing at a really mature uh, and valuable level. You know, one of the areas that we think is really important when considering trees is, you know, there's certainly a time lag to cash flow and break even points, and trees basically start growing in value immediately. Like you plant, you plant these things and they're off and running. Um, the way that we like to think about it is they're appreciating assets. Whereas like, you know, like, like what's, what's the thing about cars? You buy a car and as soon as you drive it off the lot, it loses all its value. Right. It's like total opposite <coughs> with trees, the complete opposite with trees. So the, the conversation around trees, I mean, we basically have two types of farmers. If I can create some categories here to just help with the explanation. Um, there's farmers that live in the world of sustainable ag and totally get it um, and are really trying to drive the, drive the train forward. Now, these folks are, like generally our conversation with them is they want to diversify their their income streams mm-hmm. and what that typically means is like new crop types and so trees are a simple way to fold into the uh to fold in there when we're talking about how do we basically increase revenue on the farm we're, we're trying out some of these more like bleeding edge of sustainability practices and so we're interested in trying out new things and that's where trees fit in as a, a tool in the toolkit mm-hmm. we've also got farmers we work with who the conversation generally like they're really really they excel at the core crop that they grow um, and our conversations with them often are how can we work with them to increase their margin on that core crop mm-hmm. oh okay and so like this could be say you know one of the examples i like to talk about here is, is silo pasture so this is integrating trees with livestock mm-hmm. What we're finding and what the research is pointing to is about a 60% increase, 6-0, increase in weight gain on cattle during the really hot summer months. Uh, Think like August in Georgia. Yeah, sure. You know, it's warm, it's humid, and the mitigation of the shade and the heat basically means that the cattle are, are eating more, and that translates to weight gain which is a win, it's a big thumbs up, if um, you're an operation that's focused on livestock. Right. Right, and so these conversations are almost always economics driven. I mean, we're talking about 
how do how do we work with our farmers to be to grow their businesses using essentially a, a biological tool do we need new inputs or do we need uh, new equipment in some cases the answer is yes and also really what we wanted to deliver is why are trees not the more part of the conventional agricultural conversation in the United States and how do we make that more accessible because they they do offer a lot of value economically and ecologically and so hopefully that helps answer that question a little bit um let me ask you this so we're we're talking about um I mean, your your projects, at least the ones that you sent me, talk a lot about the investor, and I want to I want to drill down on the on the role of the investor in using this tool because it seems like the investor is really the one who's going to buy this and who is going to somehow uh, assist the farmer. Well, let me put it this way: so, say a farmer gets into bed with an investor who's you know talked to you and has decided that he wants to use your your software, your platform, your models. And he's going to invest X number of dollars into a certain farmer's land and help him build out this component of agroforestry on this particular piece of farmland. What What is the relationship between the farmer and the investor in terms of, as I said, these being long-term projects? Like, what if an investor says, you know, five or ten years into this project, you know, I feel like taking my money now and moving it into something else? What will happen to the farm then? What will happen to the farmer under those circumstances? Yeah, it's a good point. The, the way that we approach this is actually a learning from the solar industry. Uh-huh. Uh, and in the solar industry, you, you, there are cases where you have investors investing a solar array on leased farmland. So the investment is the, the, the solar panels and... The return is driven by the electricity that those panels produce. Yeah. Uh, and in those cases, the investor does not purchase the, the land. Right. And so in, in our case, I mean, a lot of what we want to do is learn from industries that have been successful, that have been able to drive things, uh, particularly in the world of impact and solar certainly being a hot conversation there. Um, you know, what can we learn and, and what can we build upon? from that perspective. Yeah, but you know, solar is an immediate return totally. and timber is a 20-year commitment. Yeah, so totally. there's a there's a fundamental difference between the two and that's that's why I'm curious what is the relationship of the investor to the farmer under those circumstances because that really is a sure. very different, you know, it's a very different bargain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the structurally it's it's kind of similar to that example I was pointing out around solar. Yeah. So for for, for us the investors are investing in the trees, no different than they might, may have invested in that solar array. Mm-hmm. They're not purchasing the, the land. Right. And the return is driven by the, the sale of the harvested produce or timber. So like in the solar example, it's, we're talking about electricity production. In, in, our, in the propagate example, we're talking about uh, food and materials. So those markets exist. We know that there's there's a place to sell apples or there's a place to sell timber. Those markets sure. are operating, and so of course the time the timing is different, and that's part of the conversation with the investor. And um, there's certain sort of structural components and, and legal bits that that get put together 
that uh, allow an, an investor to kind of plug in and, and not like what we want to mitigate, and you made a great point here, is we don't want an investor to show up on day one and say, hey, I'll help get the trees in the ground. And then on day 30, call, call back and say, I want all my money back. Right. <laughs> like that, that would be a disaster. It totally would. It'd be very challenging, to say the least. And so one of the things we do in the way that we think about this so that we're not exclusively focused on like timber, where it's, it's a 15 to 20 year window, we start to diversify around crop types and geographies when we, when we build these portfolios for investors. So to that continue my pointed out earlier, like shrub fruits, tree fruits, tree nuts, and timber, we can start to bring a port, an investment portfolio together of like blueberries and elderberries with chestnuts and timber. I mean, you can imagine the mix of different crops that happen and then when you start to expand into new climate types, um, that really gets, get in, gets interesting, particularly when you think about the tropics and other areas in the U.S., which Propagate's not currently operating. Um, and so that diversity helps us drive returns back in, in shorter timelines so that di- like we're able to provide a distribution to our investor. You know, it's not the here's the return, here's the multiple on your investment. Right. Quite yet, because that takes time. And oftentimes, a lot of the investors we're working with, Katie, are folks that are, you know, they do, they do inherently understand that this is, getting, this is not an overnight process. We're not investing in the next Uber or Facebook. Right. Like, we're, that, that type of growth is a little challenging in the world uh, that we live in because... Uh, photosynthesis doesn't operate that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, unfortunately. You know, yeah, yeah, totally. And so, wh- what we're trying to do is is make sure that there's there's money being brought back. That there's enough revenue on the table by incorporating these crops that both our farmers can share in that revenue. They're, they participate in a revenue share. And our farmers are able to, to earn their share of their return by helping bring the upfront capital that's fairly catalytic to get these projects going. Huh. And you know, a lot of the things that we looked at, to your question earlier about the, the, the models and the research that we're doing on our end, is we're, we're effectively looking at you know, how does a permanent crop, like an apple, for example, perform over a 20-year period of time as compared to a row crop, like wheat. Uh-huh. And what we're seeing over that period of time, and this is just looking at like the historical data on production of these crops, is generally permanent crops outperform row crops. Uh-huh. And, and that's why some of that, that the, the capital from a return perspective becomes available so that our investors are basically putting money into fixed income assets and our farmers are increasing their revenue and they're, and they're able to build out, build, work on their farms, build out more interesting opportunities and, and really build, in some cases, some of the conversations we have with our farm partners is, is around building a, a really strong legacy around uh, their farm and being able to offer uh, a very lucrative business uh, through the generations to, to through the family 
um, which is really exciting to us and I'm sure to, to many people, but just a couple different angles of the conversations that we have. Sure, sure. That does sound interesting. We're going to unfortunately have to wrap this up pretty soon, but I, I did wonder another thing about this. Like when you introduce new crops to a farm, uh, that means that the farmer has to then find new channels for processing and distribution and sales. And so does Vent, does Propagate Ventures assist with that aspect of uh, diversifying, diversifying your crop portfolio, or is the farmer expected to just figure that out on their own? No, yeah, you know, it's one of, it's one of those things that is really important to a farm business, uh, the processing yeah. and distribution channels. Um, now, it's something that Propagate is, is working to assist with more and more. There are existing channels that these types of things take place, and the infrastructure around this, particularly in the world of regenerative agriculture and agroforestry, that infrastructure needs to continue to be developed. Uh -huh. um, let me give you a couple quick examples here. Um, you know, wholesale fruit that is an area like juice or frozen berries, um, you know, think apple juice or sure. the, the frozen blueberries you buy at the grocery. There's also online retail for specialty crops like a chestnut. So there's different avenues and channels at which uh, the crops get sold. And that also requires processing to be in place. So some crops do need prof processing to be categorized in the more profitable. Uh, black currant is one that falls in this category. Um, at least in the U.S., it's very rare that people buy whole black currants. Very. But like just the berries. They're delicious. I think people should do it. It's way more popular in Europe. Um, yeah. and, and same thing with elderberries. Like. You're certainly much more likely to find elderberry syrup on the shelf at the grocer than you are to find just elderberries uh, on the in the sh on the shelf with the rest of the fruits yeah. in the in the produce section. So that that's where processing becomes really valuable. I mean, and there's even angles of like turning apples into hard cider, which is another value. It's a lot. We have some of these conversations around value add. We have a lot of these conversations around taking the crops, whether processed or not and getting them to the appropriate channel, whether that's a wholesale or retail market, to be sold. Uh-huh. So that um, our farms are able to, to kind of meet those profitability standards and drive, and drive the, the cash flow to where it needs to be. I mean, you really want to make sure, as, and this is with all businesses, with farms in particular, and maybe there's an angle here if you want to dig into it about um, where the USDA might come to play here. Um, you know, these, assuming crops have the markets, the value adds come to play, um, and that our farmers are not having to go into more debt to get this done. Right. Then, then we're actually moving towards a, a, a direction that incentivizes younger farmers to participate in the system. I know you mentioned there's older farmers, and then there's an aging farm population in this country, which is definitely a challenge and an opportunity because you have such an extraordinary amount of knowledge from that community yeah. that can absolutely be passed on and, and shared. Um, and we need to better incentivize young farmers and the next generations to really love and be stoked about getting plugged in and 
one of the exciting things about permanent crops is they do offer some of that long-term value creation. Sure. With, with markets that are growing. I mean, some of the markets propagate focuses on, we look at growing markets like organic apples, organic berries. And these are markets that grow year over year. Mm -hmm. um, and so there's an incentive there and, and we think it's a really viable opportunity. Right, right. We're going to have to wrap it up there, Ethan. So why don't you um, take this moment to, uh, propag uh, to propagate yourself <laughs> shamelessly. <laughs> Promote nice. yourself shamelessly. Yeah, yeah right. Um, where can people learn more about Propagate Ventures and, uh, and, you know, how they can get in touch with you if they want to inquire further? Yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate that, Katie. Thank you. Of course. Our, our website's propagateventures.com. We also run a curated news hub called propagate.org. Uh, propagateventures.com. You can plug into our newsletter, learn about some of the farms we're working with. You can learn about potential investment opportunities that are happening. You can learn more about our product and, and how we sort of roll out the the, the tools to make agroforestry a really strong economic opportunity. Um, you know, feel free to find us on any of the social media sites. Uh, what is that? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Twitter. <laughs> um, and LinkedIn. We're, we're, we're on there. Uh, we're either at Propagate Ventures or at Propagate Org. Um, and we'll, we'll, we'll plug in. I mean, our team always wants to learn and, and chat with folks. So feel free to reach out and you know, we're looking forward to continuing the conversation and uh, driving our mission, which is to make agroforestry a cornerstone of agriculture. I love that idea. I absolutely applaud the concept. I think it's a great, a great way to move uh, agriculture into the 21st century. So I appreciate your time today, Ethan. Thank you so much for joining me. And thanks so much to my sponsor and, of course, to my endlessly patient engineer, Matt Patterson. Um, really appreciate your help today. Uh, thanks for listening, folks. We'll see you next week. Have a good one. So long for now. What Doesn't Kill You is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter, Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be a part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.